The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. The title is God's Word in You. So let's pray before we begin this morning. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to look again into your Word. I thank you, Lord, just for the privilege of being able to share this morning and and just, I just pray that our hearts will be very open, very, very ready to receive whatever the Holy Spirit is going to say to each one of us individually. I just pray, Lord, that um, our lives will change this year, this new year, as we get closer to you by looking into your word even more. So uh, this morning, Lord, just direct me, direct all of our hearts uh, towards you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, <clears throat> the Bible tells us, and there's an outline that you received when you came in this morning. You can take some notes on it if you like. But I'd really like you to keep that in your Bible because there's a, some real key basic things that I'm going to be talking about this morning that you can use for the rest of your life on the planet. Just basic things about God's Word. And God's Word tells us to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we start the new year, we want to just look at some very simple questions. The first question is, will we be wiser in 2019? Will we make wiser choices? How many of us have made some really dumb choices in 2018? Great. Me too. Me too. The best choice was coming to Florida. How's that? So... Time, how do we use our time? How do we use our experiences, our gifts, our resources for our family, our church, and, and our friends? Biblical wisdom is something that's practical. The book of Proverbs says, the wise man acts a certain way and the fool acts another way. So when we talk about wisdom, we're talking about how to do things in a, in a better way. And Solomon says, that we should be seeking wisdom in our life like we would for silver or gold. And James tells us if we need wisdom in life for any number of things, any number of decisions we're going to make, then God says, ask. I'll give to you in a generous way. So will we be wiser? Secondly, will we be purer in 2019? And that is a question where you might want to say, hey, what is it in my life that I'd like to get rid of? I'd like to put it in the trash can, take it out in the front of my house, let the garbage man take it away forever. What? What in our life? And maybe we want to just focus on one major thing, the thing that maybe gives us more difficulty, more heartache, more worry, more trouble, more stress in our life, and we might want to say, what is that one thing? I want to identify that. And I want to say, God, this year, I want to work on getting that really out of my life. Ugly habits, hurtful attitudes, stinking thinking, just bad behavior in general. <clears throat> my wife and I on this cruise 
Melody uh, went to a class, a test kitchen, and they were going to talk about how to make chicken marsala even better. But the teacher, as she was teaching, she says, you know, you're going to have a great time on this cruise, but when you get home, you're going to go back to the real world. And you're probably going to get frustrated and angry, she says. And so she brought out a piece of chicken, and she says, this is how you can take it out. And she tucked that metal mallet, started beating the snot out of that chicken. <laughs> and over, and Melody says she just didn't stop. She just kept beating that chicken. Well, it's interesting. The Bible says in Romans 6.14 that sin for a believer cannot have dominion over us. Cannot. That verse changed my life when I was a teenager because there was things that I was dealing with. And I said, man, is that true? That sin really can't have? Yeah, because that whole chapter of Romans 6 talks about being dead to sin. Now we've left the old life. The old self is gone. So we can kill or put sin to death. That's what Romans 8.13 says, mortify the deeds of the flesh. So what is that one thing, that one thing in your life this year that you'd like to get rid of? My dad was pretty much a great, great dad, but he had an alcohol problem. And it wasn't until age 65 that he stopped drinking. It took a while. I hope it doesn't take that long for, for some of us, but just to realize what we have in the Lord. David says, Psalm 103, I will put no worthless, worthless thing before my eyes so that it won't fasten its grip upon me. So David was making a commitment to, to be careful for what he saw, what he looked at, what he heard, and what he did in life so that he could be purer. In fact, Melody and I on the trip, we decided uh, that we needed to be a little kinder to each other in 2019. Melody can be really mean. <laughs> and that's not true. I can be mean. I can be kind of gruff. I can be kind of quick on the trigger, right? We can get into some of our basic arguments that we've had since day one of marriage. But we just kind of held hands and said, let's be a little kinder. You know what? The last five days that we've been on the planet from the cruise, we've been kinder. And it's been nicer. Will you be purer? And lastly, will you have a clearer picture of why God made you and put you on the planet? There's a purpose. There's a plan for our lives. Why he saved us, created us. And, you know, I think it's important. Sometimes I just realize that when I started out, I was just a few cells, right? Right? Just a few cells. That was me. And God formed me, the Bible says, in the womb. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So God is saying, hey, realize that your, your life is pretty temporary, and I made it. And then after we, 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 we grew a little bit, then somehow God drew us to himself, and we made a decision to ask Christ into our heart and become saved and become eternally secure. Fabulous. 
So are we fulfilling God's plan for our life in this year? Not too long ago um, on television, Charles Stanley. Anybody know who Charles Stanley is? A few of you. He's a great Baptist preacher, and he's still preaching in, on television. And he had a birthday party a, little, a few months back, and he's 86 years old. And his son, Andy, was saying, Dad, the one thing that I thank you for in my life is you always told us kids that God had a plan for our life. You repeated it over and over, over and over. God has a plan for every person that he's created to come into the planet and to find Christ. There's a plan for our life, and the question is, do we feel like we're in the center of that plan or not? And that's a great question that we can answer. And if we're not sure, then we can get into this book and find some answers as to how we can know that we're in the center of God's will and we're accomplishing his purpose for why we're on the planet. Wouldn't that be cool? To really be secure in, in knowing that particular thing. Matthew 6.19 says to store up treasure in heaven. That's what I want to do. I started out my life in the Lord at nine years old. But as a teenager, all of a sudden I realized, hey, you know what? The things on this earth that, that maybe I'm involved in, uh, someday when you put a match to them, they're going to be gone. And I, I just want to store up treasure in heaven. So I've kind of focused on that through my life. I don't, know what it's, I don't know what it really looks like up there. I've forgotten a lot of it. But I, I just want to do that. It's my heart. So I want to fulfill God's plan. My mentors in life, my high school director, Royal Blue, that's his real name. And he is 90 years old. We made it a very important uh, decision to stop there when we were visiting our son in Seattle before we moved to Florida. And um, Royal is still preaching. Royal has still got a radio program in the Reading area of California up north. He's still serving God. He's got a tremendous heart for the Lord. And he's prayed all of his life that he'd stay alive until Jesus comes back. So I don't know if that's going to happen. But that's what he's prayed. My other mentor, John Gustas, and I was his assistant minister of music in a large church in Van Nuys, California. John is 95. And his birthday is one day ahead of mine. I was his assistant. We traveled around the world and singing and sharing the gospel with a group of singers and a band and, and a support team. And we just did so many things together. We, we talked from time to time, and now we're here. We used to have lunch occasionally out in California. He's in Arizona. He's 95. He's still fulfilling God's plan for his life. When I got sick, he called me. He said, Charlie, I heard you were sick. I want to pray for you over the phone. Ministering, he has affected so many lives, I can't tell you. And still going strong, swims every day, has a big fat smile on his face. Tremendous. When I was 14 years old, I needed to make a decision. And the decision was, was I going to follow God? I was at a camp, sitting on a log, 150 kids, all of a sudden, uh, the guy's talking about letting God consume your life, and there was a little stick that we would hold, and, 
And if you were willing to make a decision to give your whole life to God 100% and throw that stick in the fire and say, God, consume me. I'm yours. I'm giving my life to you. That was the challenge. As I sat, thought there, or sat there, I just thought, well, you know, I'm the dumb guy. God's the smart one. It makes logical sense in my mind for me to turn every part of myself that I, I know about over to him, let him guide me through the rest of my life, guide me through my career, guide me through what I'm going to do. I wanted to be a doctor. That really changed. I, I just really wanted to cut people open. I wanted to be a heart surgeon. I started out that way, and all of a sudden God said, that's no, not for you. It's not for you. So then music became my thing. I did that for years. Never even thought about being a pastor. And all of a sudden, God is just directing me, directing me to a great woman. A gal I was dating in college, God said, no, she's not for you. And we, we went together for probably a couple of years. Not for you. Melody came along, that's for you. That's for you. So, in fact, she gave me a big smacker when I left this morning. She says, I don't do that very often, do I? I said, no. <laughs> We're being kinder, aren't we? That's kind of cool. So I just sat there in that log, and I said, you know, this makes logical sense to me. I'm a pretty logical person. So I'm going to decide to give God my entire future since he already knows what it is as long as I follow him. And I can't say that for all the major decisions I've made in my life that there's been a major wrong decision. There's been a lot of dumb decisions, but in terms of the major ones, the direction, those kind of things, I'm thanking God for that. And I do it the same way again. So Jesus said, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. Say it with me. Keep my commandments. So the commandments are here. And God says the commandments aren't burdensome. They're to make your life blessed, happy, and successful. And that's what we're going to look at in just a minute. But there are three things that are required to make our life purposeful and successful. One, in that outline of yours, is believe God's word. Believe God's word. Now, that might sound simple, but it's not really simple. Because many people struggle with the Bible, don't they? Probably a lot of people you know don't even believe the Bible or any part of it. Some people believe some parts of it. They pick and choose what they like. Can't do that as a Christian. A whole generation of people that God rescued from Egypt died in the wilderness because of unbelief. Forty years of seeing the most incredible miracles that, that a person could see, and they still died in that wilderness because of unbelief. They didn't trust God. So ask yourself this morning, do I believe everything in this book? Because that's the first step. You have to believe that God is telling you the truth, that he doesn't lie. In fact, if this Bible isn't true, then there are more lies in this book than any other book that's ever been written, 
In fact, all of them combined. This book is true. God tells you the truth. He's the creator. He's the one that put this book together over 1,500 years and 40 authors and all of that. God is true. So you've got to believe this book. Look at Joshua 1.8. What's it say? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have success. How many want prosperity and success? Okay, there's the answer. It's not a battle plan as to what to do when you get to Jericho or what you do in those seven years that they conquered the land of Israel. It's a battle plan of the heart. And God says, my word is what I want in your heart. I want you to study this, work on it, believe it with your life, and commit your life to it. Then you will have a prosperous and successful life. It's a book because God doesn't speak out of the clouds. Everybody would misinterpret some, some noise out of heaven like they did at Mount Sinai. No, it, he, it's a book. It's black and white. It can't change, and it hasn't changed over the centuries. You can count on it. It's God's word. And that's what I wanted in my life. I wanted God's word. In fact, at that decision that I made at camp when I was riding home on that crazy bus with all a bunch of screaming high school kids, I honestly heard God speak to my heart and says, were you serious about that commitment you made? And I said, yes. He says, I want you to go home and get in this book. I, I'm... I'm, I'm not kidding you. That's what God said. Simple, short sentence. Get in this book. So the next day, I started in Matthew. I read a chapter a day. We'll talk about that in a minute. But God's word is inspired. Scripture says it's inspired. It's for our correction. It's for, for training, for reproof, and, and for learning how to be righteous in our life. So it's very important. And the Bible tells us the truth about why sex, for example, should only be in a marriage situation. It tells us about our creator who made heaven and earth in six days. Folks, there are no aliens out there. You believe that? The Bible never talks about aliens. It talks about demons. They can pose as, quote, aliens. But there's no such thing as that. God is focused his entire attention on one place, that's planet Earth. The Bible says, Genesis 1, God created the heavens, that's a plural term, and Earth, that's a singular term. The focus of the Bible is redemption. That's the theme of the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation. Redemption, buying people back to become God's children. And who is the Redeemer? Who is the Redeemer? Jesus. Jesus is the Redeemer. The theme is redemption. The Redeemer is Jesus Christ. That's history. That's creation. That en entirely encompasses God's plan. So that's what God wants for us. And he wants us to know that. The Bible will tell us why Jesus is the only Savior and the only way to heaven. It will warn you about cults 
and those who deny Christ as one with the Father and Spirit. It will explain the Antichrist and the last days, and we're really approaching those days. It will tell you about how to have victory in your life and that Jesus will be the ultimate victor on a white horse with a sword coming out of his mouth, which illustrates the word of God that just speaks and all of a sudden things are done. Things are just done. The enemies of Satan that had been loosed after the thousand years that he was in that pit, that, that particular Satan uh, and all of his hosts are just going to be destroyed very quickly by the word of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us all about this. We're not left in the dark. The Bible talks about a lake of fire, the devil, the demons, all those who rebelled against God on the planet. Right now, probably they estimate about 109 billion people have lived on the earth over its history. There's going to be a large crowd because Jesus says, the way to God and Jesus is narrow, right? Tells us about this lake. And Jesus says, in this particular place, there is no rest. It's a scary thought. But then the Bible tells about the blessings that God's people are having. And all of a sudden, the old heaven, the old contaminated earth is going to be destroyed. And we're all going to get to watch God create a new heaven and earth. Is that going to be something? Believe God's word. Trust it. Secondly, study God's word. Study it. Hebrews 4.12. This is where purity is developed. Believing is where wisdom begins. And why study? Because God very simply just wants you and I to know more about him. Become more intimate with the Lord. God says, grow in grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You say, can I really know God? Yes. That's what the Bible is for, ultimately. It's for you and I to really know God deeply in our heart. Know him personally. Be intimate with him. Now there's a verse in Hebrews. Look at your outline or you can read it on the screen. It's Hebrews 4.12 and I'm going to share something about this verse that maybe we haven't thought about. But it says this, the word of God is living, it's active. That means it's kind of ongoing and dynamic and creative all the time, all the time. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions and motives of your heart. And there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That just explains how intimately personal the scripture is. The scripture is a very intimate book. It wants us to know God in deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper ways. We're never going to know God in, in the ultimate sense. We're going to know God differently when we get to heaven. But I personally believe in heaven we're still going to need to exercise our faith. Because God is a very different than we. He's the creator. We're the creation. 
In Romans 1, it says, people began to worship the creature rather than the creator. And that's the sin of the Garden of Eden. So the point is, God says, hey, study my word. Get to know me. Know me well. Know me differently and better and more personally every single day. You can do that with the Bible. And the Bible also exposes things in our life that we do want to get rid of. And that's why the scripture says in Hebrews, is it gets down to the joints and marrow of your spiritual life. It can discern the thoughts and intentions of your heart. It's intimate. I got up this morning, took a shower. I lost four hairs. So I was washing my head. Bible says our hairs are numbered. Now God's got to subtract four, right? See? There's about half, uh, 500 trillion birds on the planet. God says, I don't let a sparrow fall without knowing it. There's 750 butterfly species. And they're all separated. They never got together in the past in, in this evolutionary kind of a weird thinking thing and got together as a committee and said, hey, let's just divide up. In the Panama Canal, we saw, we were traveling down a river in one of those little executive tour things, and there was a beautiful blue butterfly. I've never seen a blue butterfly. A little black border around a blue butterfly. I said, man, that is incredible. Gorgeous. 750 species. They all remain in their exact species. They don't interbreed. Evolution is a crock. Makes no sense. We only have recorded history back to about 5000 BC. And yet, some scientists tell us that man. Homo sapiens are 160 million years old. So what, they couldn't figure out how to write all that time? <laughs> Makes no logical sense, you see? So, you know, our kids get to go to school, higher education university. One, one theologian said, the higher education is to know God. That's higher education. That's wisdom. But Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 1, no, that's not the wisdom. That's not wisdom. The world's wisdom is not God's wisdom. So we need to realize that studying God's word tells us the truth about how things are. We have generations in the Bible that take us right back to Adam and Eve. Names, every name, every name in the Bible takes you right back to Adam and Eve. So now you've got a choice. I'm going to believe that God knew all those people, just like he knows your name. And if you're, in a, if you're a Christian, your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, right? Wow. If it's written there, it's there. And somebody's keeping track of that. And, and some Christians say, does God ever make a mistake as to who's in and who's out? Said, no. You know, he keeps all the planets in order so he can keep your life in order. He can say to Lazarus and take a, a trillion cells in Lazarus' body and say, hey, come on back to life after four days being dead. 
There's so many things that God does that we see around us, just like those people in, in, in uh, the, the, the desert. What they saw about God. So study his word. And there's a simple plan. There's just a simple plan I want to give you this morning. It's kind of what I started with, and I still use it. I use different ones, but this one is simple. If you've never gotten into God's word on a regular basis, this is simple. First of all, use a book. Don't use your cell phone. You can use your cell phone. I, I've been reading my, uh, a different Bible plan on my cell phone all this last year. Got me through the whole scripture. But use a book for study. And mark it. Underline it. Take notes in it. And, and this book has got that. It, I mean, every, almost every page has got something marked on it. And you do that, you make your Bible, you read a chapter a day, you start in Matthew, the New Testament. And read Matthew, there's 260 chapters in the New Testament. If you multiply five days a week times 52 weeks, that's 260. So you'll get through the whole New Testament in one year by just reading a chapter a day, marking a significant verse that maybe speaks to you. You say, well, what do you do with Matthew chapter 1 and all those names that are listed in a genealogy form? I said, be thankful that God knows people's names. So say, hey, God knows my name. See? So there's something to learn in everything, even Leviticus, right? You know what Leviticus is about mostly? Offerings, festivals, feasts, parties that God said, I want you to have parties, folks. I want you to enjoy yourselves, and I want you to enjoy me. Leviticus is about offering yourself to God. God says, don't come to me empty-handed. Don't come to me empty-handed. Bring something that values, you value, and that I will value when you worship me. That's how we should give from our full hearts. Howie Hendricks is a famous guy. Anybody ever heard of Howie Hendricks? One great professor. Dallas Theological Seminary, died just in 2013. Every time I had a chance to, and you can go Google Howie Hendricks and listen to teachings. What an incredible teacher. I just loved him, just like Stuart Briscoe is a good friend, and I love Stuart Briscoe and, and Jill. They're just great people, and, and Stuart's 89 years old. He's still preaching. We just met up out in San Diego before we moved here. We have some connections to, to England where he's from and all of that kind of stuff. These are godly men. Howie Hendricks died, and Robert Jeffries, who's the first, the, 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 the uh, senior pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, had a chance, and he was, he, he was Howie's student, he had a chance to look at Howie's Bible at the funeral. There wasn't a page of the Bible that wasn't totally marked. Verses, underlined, colored, notes. Every, almost every page that he turned to had tons of notes. That's why when Howie Hendricks spoke, you got some out of it. You were excited. 
It made the Bible come alive. It can come alive to any of us at any time, as long as we're willing to study it. That's the key. Study Scripture. My grandfather, godly man, part of the committee that got Billy Graham to his first crusade in Los Angeles. Lived next door to me for 15 years. My best buddy, along with my dad. My grandfather used to pray out loud in the bathroom. That's his prayer closet, sitting on the you-know-what. <laughs> I came in there one day, and I said, what's that mumbling? My grandfather said, oh, that's your grandfather. He's in there praying. You know what his most underlined chapter was? James chapter 3, about the tongue. That's why my grandfather was a gracious, highly respected man because he watched what came out of his mouth. How incredible. Get the plan, do the plan, study God's word, because you have to believe God's word, study God's word, and follow God's word for things to work right. For God, it's a requirement. For God to be able to bless your life, make it fruitful and prosperous. That's why those three things I'd like you just to memorize for the rest of your life. Believe it, study it, follow it. So let's look at the last one, follow God's word. Look at this verse here in 2 Peter. In fact, this, this, these two verses are probably the most incredibly grandiose verses that I like in Scripture. <clears throat> it's just packed with stuff. Look at it. His divine power, God's divine power has granted to us everything, is that what it says? Everything pertaining to life, and godliness through, very important, the true knowledge of him who called us in Christ by his own glory and excellence. And for by these he has granted to us, each believer, his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world by its lust. Now there's a, there's a mouthful. What do those verses remind you of? Any thoughts? <coughs> you know what they remind me of? They remind me of the Garden of Eden, where God said to Adam and Eve, You've got the use of this whole place. You can pick any fruit you want. There's just one place I don't want you to eat, but everything else is at your disposal. I want you to enjoy this garden. I want you to have fun in this garden. I want you to love each other. I want you to be enthralled with each other. I just want you to have a super time. You know... Now that we are in Christ, that ability to pick biblical fruit is ours. And you know what? Sometimes many Christians don't pick much fruit. And that's a problem. Biblical illiteracy, illiteracy in America is way up there among Christians. So now the challenge is 
I've got to get in God's word. I've got to follow God's word. And I've got to avail myself of all of these precious promises and all the things that God's given me to live my life in a godly way. Because when you live your life in a godly way, then it's prosperous, it's successful, it's blessed, and that's how Jesus started his ministry. Blessed, 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 blessed. Nine of them. God wants you to be happy. I sat on that log at the camp and I said, you know what, I want a happy life. I'm not going to have a problem freeway. We, we have plenty of problems. But I want a happy life. I want a purposeful life. And following God's word is where purpose is experienced in our life. The Bible is the Christian's garden of Eden. So start picking the fruit. Get a schedule. Get into it. Have fun with it. Get to know your Lord and Savior. Grow in 2019. You know when you're on a cruise, you eat, right? You eat breakfast. You eat lunch. You eat dinner. I put on about seven pounds. And after my sickness, I had lost 25. So now I'm, I'm still in a decent shape. I'm going to try to get rid of these seven. But imagine getting into God's word with all that he's given us and how we can avail ourselves of fruit. Make the Bible your passion fruit. How's that? If you don't know the Lord this morning in your heart, you've never made a decision to say, Jesus, I believe you. You did come to earth. You did die on a cross. You will pay for my sins. You will clean my life. When I became a Christian at age nine, I felt clean. I don't know where it went. I was amazed. I was a young kid. But all of a sudden, something left me. I was clean. I felt clean. God cleansed me. Took the junk out. Started me on a new path. You can have that this morning. You can make a simple decision. It can happen right now, today, even as we're praying. I want us to believe, study, and follow this book. Ryan, my precious son-in-law and daughter Amy, they have a passion for this church the same way. Ryan is a godly God-fearing man, and there's many of you in this body that are just like that. And I'm thankful for all of you. You're blessed people. Let's keep growing together. How's that? Let's pray. Lord, um, you're the Lord. You're the God of the universe. You're the one who's got the answers. You're the, you're the creator. We're not creators. We're, we're very, very human. So, Lord, I just pray that you would challenge us this morning for this next year that we're heading into. I pray, Lord, that for anyone who doesn't know Christ this morning, that just simply by saying, Jesus, okay, I give up. You got me. I'm giving my life to you. I want you to cleanse me. I want you to come into my life. I want to change directions. I want to be what you want me to be. I want to follow this book of the Lord, of the word. I want to believe it. I want to get into it. I want to 
be obedient to it. So God, I just thank you for this body. I thank you for these precious people that you love and that you're patient with and that you're, you're helping. So bless us today, Lord. Bless us and thank you very much in Jesus' name. Amen.